0: welcome to fright school are you ready class is in session Happy Mother's Day, Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mother. Hello. Um, yeah, I know it's a little early, obviously, but we wanted to put this episode out before Mother's Day. That way you yep. can plan you know, a horror mother marathon with your mommies yeah. or whoever you see as the motherly figures in your life. Or the feminine energy nurturers, <laughs>
1: or the you know non-binary,
0: whatever you whatever would, you know. that is, whatever it looks you like know. for you, whatever whoever you call mother.
1: If you want to do a TikTok dance to um, "Mother" by Megan Trainer, you can do that too. Why would you do that? Um, which, by the way, Megan Trainor really does have the lock on, like the tiktokification of music mm. um she is really selling um her music with like which all her music sounds the same and i love all of it but she's really selling like tiktok as a way to like promote music um and leaning in in a way that like other people are having a hard time with or like actively rebelling against which like again her music is perfect for tiktoky dances and it's
0: pop music and it's a pop thing um, yeah. Yeah, you know, you said a lot of words. I know you were looking through your that phone. I didn't really understand. No, so- <laughs> it's because I don't like I have no idea really what you're talking about like okay. with Megan trainer you said. Yes. Um, I mean, I know who that is. She sang that bass song, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, She's all about it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I saw a bunch of people criticizing something about mothers, but I just, I, yeah. I don't really watch, use TikTok that often. I
1: think it's because it's the uh, appropriation of uh, like black, trans black drag uh,
0: thing you know mother you know yeah i think yeah. rupaul wants a check uh you know i'm sure and then she should forward that check to everybody in paris is burning yes <laughs> pepper and, and all the others before um yes not yeah. dorian Corey because dorian Corey's a murderer right is that well, a thing they, you know unfortunately a lot of those people have gone on to the other To the plane of uh, non-existence. Yes. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, Dorian gave us some of the best moments in that film. uh, So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she should still get a check. (laughs) We didn't, uh, I don't have to call you a murderer you know feel, you know you are a
1: murderer <laughs>
0: <laughs> and actually we don't even know that yeah again it could have been self-defense and she just never told anybody because hey you know back then in the 70s or so whenever they they think allegedly that maybe the murder happened was a long time before the film
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that you know her getting help from the police was probably uh, very uh, not that it makes it Right. That's not what I mean. I'm just saying that I can understand why, depending on the circumstances of the crime, uh, yeah. why she chose to hide it. Uh, but anyways, we're, you know, until they make that podcast or that true crime series on Netflix, I think we should not talk yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, and instead, let's celebrate moms, um, you know, uh, speaking of people who have uh died (laughs) like my like my mother i was gonna say something but i was like maybe i'll wait for joshua to do it yeah um no yes as we all know my my mother's no longer with us but i i miss her very much of course and she gave me uh my love for horror uh yes there is she is she is in photo on the shelf in the uh West Craven Memorial Library here. But I thought it'd be fun to take a moment just to, you know, maybe talk a little bit about moms and then we'll talk about some of our favorite horror mothers before we get into today's film.
1: Um, How about we talk about, like, horror movie moments with our moms? Yeah, okay. Um, Can I go first? Yes. I feel like... Part of the genesis of fright school is that like you were raised by a uh, '80s teen mom, <laughs> right? <laughs> teen <laughs> mom before you could be a star
0: on TLC <laughs> yes. or MTV or whatever.
1: Um, can you imagine if 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 I
0: think your mom would have been great for, uh, for yeah, mom. especially then because <laughs> you know as you get older sometimes you kind of your 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 crazy stuff has to wear out a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Um,
1: my mom is very anti horror. Um you kind of have to couch the fact that it's a horror movie or has scary elements. Um, she recently, last year she watched, uh, she watched a movie with my dad because they like, my dad likes actiony films and my mom will watch whatever my dad wants to watch. And they watched Prey. <laughs> Which like, yes, prey is a horror movie, but it's also very action-y. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was just like, okay, that's. And I told her I was like, that's basically a horror movie because of you know where it is in the franchise and the franchise it's a part of. Um, but one thing that I uh, I uh, I'll never forget is that I have made my mom watch. Um, I've made her watch a couple of horror movies. So during during the pandemic. Um, Aka during twenty twenty, pandemic's still going on, but uh during twenty twenty, I made her watch um Invisible Man. Oh yeah. With uh I just rewatched that yeah. recently. Uh, Elizabeth Moss. Uh and she she was like, ah <laughs> she loves a she's a screamer for a jump scare, which just like makes me laugh. And she's the kind of person who this bit that I do about my mom actually is like, she's the person who will tell you what's going on on screen as if, uh, she did, as if you weren't watching what she was watching. Right. Yeah. she would be like, Oh, he's angry. Um, Oh, he disappeared. Where, where is he? Or she'll ask questions about the movie. And if you've never seen it and you're both experiencing it for the same time, but it's like, she wants to know. And I can't, I can never decide if she's sincerely asking or if it's just like a general question. So we will be like, "We don't know. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on in this movie. This is all the reason why we can't watch everything everywhere all at once because I feel like it's just going to be so much happening that there'll be a lot of questions. But and she'll just have to comment on she'll it. She has to a it, comment it on goes. it. <laughs> um, so we watch that, and then when. Um, when uh, June Justice was happening, when the uprisings were happening in in June of 2020, um, I started to show her some movies from the horror noir, <laughs> from the horror noir playbook. Uh, so, or horror noir book, and so I sort of showed her Get Out, uh, which I, th- which is not you know, super horrific uh, in terms of like gory and supernatural or anything. So um, she was able to, it was also great because then like we paused it and had a great conversation about microaggressions. Um, I also, this is not in horror noir, but I also made her watch American son, uh, which is a, uh, it's a Netflix movie. That's basically like the, the movie version of a, of a play that premiered on Broadway that talks about like, it's a, it's a, it's two parents who are at a police station in Florida in the middle of the night because their son has been involved in a, in a shooting, in an officer shooting. And they're trying to figure out what happens. You don't find out to the very end, but uh, yeah. So just, you know, those are my, my mom things with horror that's fun. Oh, and your mom used to be like a forensic. Yeah. So my mom is a retired forensic scientist. She yeah. was one of the like founding members of uh, the crime lab on Guam. That's so cool. Yeah, she's been to the FBI Academy. She's actually had. Uh, she actually was a co-author on a paper in the National Journal of Forensic Science, um, which is really great and really yeah, kind of that's really, so really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and um yeah like i was that kid because she would go to like she would go on work trips to quantico and she would bring back stuff from like the fbi gift shop and so like i had like an fbi t-shirt that i used to wear as a kid that for like you know my like house shirt and then i had this really cool um anorak like um anorak uh, jacket that was like a rain jacket but it was folded up into a pouch. I would wear it all the time, and it had like FBI on it. I'm like, ah, oh, look, I'm cool. My mom, my mom went to the, my mom's a Fed, <laughs> um, and we had a lot of great, we have had a lot of great conversations over the years, especially in 2020 when we were, you know, trapped in the house together and talking about like police brutality because, like, she grew, she like retired from essentially a law enforcement position, worked very closely with police officers on Guam, and was very intentional with us about like telling us when we were kids, never framing the police in a negative light in the sense that like, you know, like she would like, cause we had family members who would like in, in an effort to like wrangle, uh, unruly children, they would say, I'm going to call the cops on you. Whereas like she never did that because she didn't want people to have, she didn't want us to have a negative relationship. I kind of learned that because like we live in America, <laughs> we live yeah. in America, we live in the mainland. Um, and seeing the institutionalized uh, violence um, and, like, state-sanctioned murder of unarmed black people, queer people, trans people, all of those things. And I think that all of that was just, like, a big, like, wake-up call for her to see how, like, these, very much, like, how can this be happening? Um, So, yeah. I love my mom a lot. Yay.
0: And I do, too, because she... um, (laughs) Allowed you to uh, live and thrive, yes. <laughs> Without her, <laughs> and brought you into uh, the world and into my life. So yay, Mommy Joe. And we speaking of uh, someone who brought you into this world, tell us about your mom. <laughs> um, lovely transition. Um, so we're just like sharing like favorite moments, right? Favorite like, moments, favorite, like, horror and moments. I, yeah. yeah, Mine ended up being a rant, a little bit of a rambly thing. Yeah, but that's all right. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try to keep mind controlled. So, uh, to like horror stuff. So, <laughs> um, I think one of the best like memories I remember is that in, I think in September of 2000, uh, they re-released the exorcist mm-hmm. into theaters for like the version you've never seen, you know, which mm-hmm. added back in like the famous spider walk, uh, scene that had been cut and, you know, some other stuff. And, uh, I remember going to that with her, uh, And my best friend uh, in high school, Lindsay, I was a sophomore, I think, by then, September two, Yeah, because I think I was, I think I entered my freshman year in 99. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was a sophomore and I remember going to that and, you know, we had seen The Exorcist a million times by then. You know, I mean, it was just one of those (laughs) movies that we watched uh, frequently, you know, at least like once or twice a year. Uh, So it was was something that I kind of still hang on to as like a really fun night. Uh, I remember being really happy and having a really good time with my mom, which, you know, could be shaky because of her mental health was always a little, Mm -hmm, you know, mm kind of all over the place. Uh, and being with Lindsay and just having, um, a really, really good night just a couple months before my birthday. So it just felt really, it was just us, like none of the other kids went, it was just my mom, Lindsay and I, and, um, we went and we saw the exorcist and that was, that's a really fun memory that I, that I have in horror. So, uh, and anytime I watch the exorcist now and especially like the version you've never seen, (laughs) the director's cut or whatever, um, I always think of that, you know, I always think of that night and I remember, um, I remember going to get like snacks and stuff and coming back and, Mm -hmm. um, going down like the other aisle so that I could like scare, you know, like jump at them. (laughs) So it was, um, yeah, that's a, that, that's a kind of a cool memory that I have from um, when they when they re released The Exorcist, and then one of the last movies that we ever saw in the theater together was the Grindhouse movie, so Planet Terror and um, Death Proof. But at the time, you know, they built it as Grindhouse it was like fucking five hours long. It felt not really. It was like I don't I don't remember how long the thing was, but we were there for a while. It was like three hours because it's, you know two films together, and that was one of the last movies that we saw in a theater. It was like Easter weekend, I think hallelujah april 2007 yeah uh and then yeah Mm because then i moved because i moved in 2009 so a lot of stuff happened but that was one of the last things that we did together and i remember us going and we were so annoyed because these like tarantino ites were in front of us and they were so annoying just like you know, being Tarantino devotees, just talking about him and, you know, and talking about the film and, like, talking while the film is on. It's like, will you all shut the fuck up? Oh, my God. Like, you save this for afterwards. When Tarantino can... would come over there and knock it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Heads. Like, you're ruining the experience for, like, other people. Um, yeah, it was so annoying. Uh, they didn't talk through the whole thing, but they did talk quite a bit in the beginning. You're just like, oh, my gosh. Just shut up. Like... You know, I just, I just don't have any patience for that. But um, it was a really, really fun time. It was it was crazy because, yeah, I do, it was Easter, I think. Or Easter was coming up. And I'm like, I can't believe this is what we're doing for, like, the holiday. <laughs> it's just you and I going out to see this insane movie that was just... Movies. Yeah, movies. But, you know, Grindhouse um, in its collective sense. Uh, and that was a really fun time. And yeah, I definitely, I I do miss my mom a lot. I wish that she was still here because so many good things have come out. Like, you know, she's really missed out on a really good new age in horror. Um, Mm -hmm. That would have been neat to have shared, you know, it's always that kind of thing. Um, Plus plenty of other like moments in my life that (laughs) she's missed and my siblings. Um, But yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful for all the horror <laughs> she gave me from, <laughs> in in a few different aspects, because <laughs> they made me the person I am. Um, yeah. We'll talk about some of that in as we go into our conversation. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I thought it would also be fun just to, you know, uh, do a little, um, you know, just look back at some, some other m- mothers in horror films. Can you think of any off the top of your head that um Tony Collette in Hereditary. I was going to say Tony Collette in general is mother but um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cuz I remember her in Sixth Sense. You know, she plays the mother of Haley uh Joel I've never Osmond. seen the Six Sense. Okay, well we're going to have to watch that at some point. <clears throat> um but uh yeah, she plays the mother in that too and it's a really good performance. Um you know, anytime I go back and look at it I'm like gosh, yeah, man, she has always just been so good. So yeah, definitely hereditary. Mm-hmm. She's on Annie Graham. Graham. Annie Graham. I just looked it up and I was like, <laughs> Annie Graham. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> that sounds like it.
1: A... Oh what? <laughs> Fuck you, Ari Aster for that. Yeah. Um, Annie, Gra- Annie Graham. Annie um, uh, so Graham. So here's the thing about. Uh, I was just looking up hereditary and it was like miniature artist Annie Graham. Right. And I was like. I read initially as manicure artist. Oh. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't yeah. remember her
0: doing nails. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. She's obviously a good one for in recent memory, just such a good, solid performance. Um, whether or not she's a good mother. I don't know. Um, it's a weird, mm-hmm. again, it's like the complexities yeah. of motherhood and of trying to do your best. I have one from not the century. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, the Queen from Alien. Yes, I was going to bring up her, Alien Queen. Uh, you know, I was trying to remember, because I don't know, Do Ripley isn't identified as a mother in the first film, right? I think that's a yep. retroactive addition to the sequel, because we find out that she had a daughter on Earth uh, who's now gone, yep. you know, has died, um, because she's been floating in space for however many years. Uh, so, yeah, Aliens is a great conversation about motherhood in a way uh, because Ripley we know is a mother and then she's defending Newt obviously and then you have the alien queen with all of her babies doing everything she can to you know it's just like mothers mothers gotta do what they gotta do you know for their children (laughs) yeah um Like Norma Bates from Psycho and uh, Bates Motel, who is another one of my favorite mothers. I especially, I really enjoyed the first few seasons of Bates Motel. I mean, I like the whole thing Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I did finish it, although it just got really, like what is happening? You know, it's just, very...
1: Rihanna plays Marion Crane. Yeah. It's a
0: whole like, yeah, thing, um, which like, okay, that's mother. She's mother for that. Right. <laughs> um, but it also changed, like they changed the story a lot. So oh. it's, it's a very different kind of vibe, but I She remember- gets up there and she's like, throw it up, throw it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, you're not stabbing me in this shower, motherfucker. That's not yeah. happening. Um, she's going to dutty wine on his grave. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh- are Are you done? Um, <laughs> Uh, But I really uh, love that the first couple of seasons that really show, because it's true, like I've met a lot of parents with children with, you know, severe mental health conditions, and it's a real struggle trying to figure out what to do for them, you know, Mm -hmm. and how to best navigate a world that's not very kind. Uh, so I always, I, I really appreciate getting sort of that backstory. But I mean, you know, come on, I'm always going to love Psycho and how that plays out. Um, yeah, it's very So does that also delicious. mean that you like
1: Norman Bates because he's also mother? Yeah, the original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I started giggling because when you said severe, I like immediately thought... Uh, moderate to severe chronic plaque
0: psoriasis (laughs) and i don't know why um what other mothers do you is that uh was that cindy lopper's voice in your head (laughs) plaque psoriasis (laughs) yes humera humera this is a this this episode is sponsored by humera no it's not that that'd be great um no, we don't... Do we want Big Pharma's money? I don't know. We'll have to talk about this. Uh, maybe Discovery or, you know, Truvada. <laughs> but, <laughs> man, maybe Ozempic. Fright uh, School, brought to you by PrEP. Um, yes, a, a Gilead. <laughs> Continues <laughs> to be brought to you by PrEP. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, I also think of, like, fun stuff, like Serial Mom. Have you ever seen Serial Mom? No, uh, I'm still waiting for you to show me Serial Mom. <laughs> yeah, we gotta watch that, because that's just so I always forget it's a John Waters flick. Fun. Yeah, and it, again, it's like a horror comedy, because she's, like, murdering people, but it's it's hard to take, like, seriously. But it's delightful. I, I, yeah. I, I, I love her. I, I think of her. And then, like, also in kind of the comic, or at least she was under the impression she was in a comedy, you know, Margaret White, um uh Piper, uh Lori Oh and Carrie Carrie. <laughs> uh you gotta love Margaret White, you know? Yes. Like <laughs> Washed in the blood of Jesus. Uh, she <laughs> let the raven loose. <laughs> loose the raven upon the world. Um, and it was called Sin, Joe. And I think you're very familiar with Sin. There, that beautiful like, image,
1: I think we used it once for, I forget where we used it, but like, there's this great image of like Piper Lowry with like a knife and a giant smile on her face yeah. about to stab Carrie. She's so so happy yeah um um i do also love um rosemary yeah that's (laughs) a good one because she had a baby also my mom's name is rosemary
0: oh there Um, we go
1: and you know she's very catholic as well Um, you devil
0: spawn of rosemary (laughs) rosemary yes (laughs) that is me i am damien (laughs) there we go uh yeah, Rosemary's Baby. Again, you know, it's like obviously it's about her like impending motherhood and and of having a baby and, and all of that. So it brings up a whole other type of anxiety sure. um, in, it, the, in that canon.
1: Are there any mothers that are not horror related that you like?
0: Peggy Bundy. <laughs> uh... um Weeds, you know, Nancy Botwin uh I, I I I loved weeds for the most part for you know the first like four or five seasons uh and again then it just again, like I've said before, you know shows do not need to be seven eight nine ten seasons long they just get so far off the rails um I, yeah. love, I love I mean I loved like Roseanne growing up obviously uh we were talking about that earlier today mm-hmm. um you know I always had a, a a deep appreciation for that show and feeling like it. You know, demonstrated our lives, but yeah, yay! Um, I w- Fright school salute to moms.
1: <laughs> I will say one of my favorites is um, uh, <laughs> Littlefoot's mother in the Land Before Time.
0: Oh, cry a tear, yeah. sad emoji. Yeah, hashtag. She's alive. Is she alive? She's not the one who dies. Oh, maybe she does die. Oh fuck. Yeah, I think I oh. think that's the thing. Maybe I need to rewatch. Land before time um, yeah I could be wrong I have not seen that movie probably literally yeah. in like 35 years <laughs> 30 well not 35 because I'd have been very young but I mean I was pretty young I might have been seven or eight yeah. so well, at least 30 years. so yeah so probably 30 years at least Dang. since I've seen since I've seen that film yeah um, Oh, my gosh. Are we going to add that to um After Fright the School, After Fright School <laughs> special now? Uh, <laughs> Joshua, rewatches Land Before Time. Traumatizes uh, Joe's the whole experience. <laughs> no. I forgot that everybody died. <laughs> they are dinosaurs. They all die eventually. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> They're long dead. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, Happy Mother's Day again. I hope that you're having a good time or you have plans with your moms or whatever that figure is in your life. And uh, we'll be back to uh, discuss Oma.
1: We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your song. We are back. Once again, yo, everybody. Joe's Takeover. Joe's Taking Over. Um, it is Asian Pacific Islander American Heritage Month in the United States, folks. And this is week two of Joe Takes Over Fright School. Uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> if you miss Joshua, I miss him too. This is a lot of work. I appreciate Joshua for all of the research that he does for every... Uh, one of the episodes that we've ever done um, because it is hard! <laughs> it's hard to do. Uh, but we're here today to talk about a very new film, uh, 2022's Umma, starring the one and the only Sandra Oh. Oh, 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 oh. oh. Yes, it's written and directed by Iris K. Shim, uh, Sandra O. Oh, Fivel Stewart, uh, uh, we have a Dermot Mulroney or is it Dylan McDermott? Dermot Mulroney is... Uh-oh. Ooh, that was weird. It's Dylan Mulroney. Dylan Sorry, not I said that was weird because my uh, the Ouija board fell. Ouija board fell over. <laughs> Yeah. Which, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Umma uh, is not yeah. the movie we want to be talking about when the supernatural thing's happening. Um, it was uh, produced by Sam Raimi uh, and... Uh, There's lots of other people in it, but those are the three names that we care about are Dylan, Fievel, and Sandra O. Amma is about um, a woman named Amanda who lives in isolation with her daughter uh, Chrissy, or Chris, um, who discovers that her abusive mother uh, has died and has been brought her remains and hilarity
0: ensues. Hilarity ensues. I love that exactly. Uh, as we do
1: all the time in fright school, one of us goes first. Joshua, what did you think of Amma?
0: I enjoyed it. I again like you know, I think we talked a little bit on the last episode. Um, I think there were some cultural things that I may have like missed uh, in it like some of the imagery of it that I'm like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure about I want to go back and again rewatch it maybe get some more this conversation will get some more context Mm -hmm. Um, um, I was just looking for uh, something but never mind I'll figure it out as we're talking Uh, overall I mean I I thought it was interesting Mm -hmm. it brought up a lot of interesting conversations I do think there are films that are have probably explored the this a little better. It just kind of wrapped up too easily. I mean I appreciated that it was like it was like what 90 minutes. It was even under 90 minutes. It was like an hour and 23 yeah. minutes or something. Yeah. So it like moved really quickly but almost too quickly. Yeah, you know, but it's often running from the moment it starts. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, but it just kind of really wrapped up in a way that I'm not entirely sure. I, I was like a little like, "Whoa, okay. Well, cool." That's Done <laughs> um, But I appreciate a lot of the stuff That was going on in it And I think that uh, I'm, I'm sure As we talk about The the things that you wanted To discuss in it It may um, Change the uh, Some of the perspectives In the film I might have a better Understanding of uh, Some things <laughs> Sure Yeah um, I also enjoyed it as well um, Is this one you would Watch again? Yeah. I would I would probably put it on just for, you know, uh, not, background. Yeah, maybe. I would watch it. Sandra O oh is great in it. Like the performances, everybody actually that's in it. You know, it's a small tight cast, they're all great. Um I, I think it's I think overall it's it's creepy. There's a lot of creepy images in it that I was like, oh, I like this. It was definitely giving me that ringu ju on kind of mm-hmm. like vibes. Mm-hmm. Even though I know again this is like an American film, it felt like it was made um it just had that kind of vibe that's like there's something a little just outside the periphery of western culture sure. at play in it that was really added a nice dimension to the film
1: it had an asian sensibility it had a specifically yeah. i think
0: a korean sensibility when it came to its horror
1: and yeah. especially like with a haunting and talking about ghosts um so amma obviously we're talking about amma um it means mother in, um, in Korean. And as I mentioned in the last episode, the methodology behind this unit and behind the films that I chose for this unit were specifically trying to find films that spoke to a uniquely... For when we were talking about Asian films, talking a specifically Asian-American experience. And so right. that is like the gift of last year giving us amma yeah, and I'm so this I, definitely fits in, with fits that. in perfectly. I am so happy that we're doing it for fright school. Immediately when I saw the trailer last year, I knew it was going to be something we were going to talk about on the show. Um, if not for like the other horrific elements, definitely for this specific one with regards to like being an Asian American, um, Narrative and speaking to that experience specifically, so um, we're dealing with us. We're dealing with a few things here. In <laughs> uh, to put it very broadly, right? Dealing with a few things here in Um, uh, um One of the things that we're talking about obviously is trauma. <laughs> so we're dealing a lot with um, with trauma and kind of this generational trauma um, synopsis as we're going on. Right? Is that Amanda uh, is. Uh, living is a beekeeper slash accountant living off the grid. Um, you kind of see that in the establishing shots of the film where there's like newspaper articles talking about like why she's choosing to live off the grid and, um, and she lives with her teenage daughter who is on the cusp of going to college and they live a very simple life. You know, the house has no electricity. They're in the middle of like a grove of trees. We don't really know what kind of trees, but they're in a grove of different trees. They keep bees. They sell honey. Dermot Mulroney comes. I'm said centella McDermott. Dermot Mulroney comes. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, You know, is this like, you know, guy who not only does she do the books for him, but she also pays him to bring materials and he sells the honey online. She's not quite a Luddite, but definitely someone who can't have, at least we are told, meant to believe that electricity, she has an allergic reaction to electricity, Mm -hmm. uh, which is
0: fascinating that. No one called her out on that <laughs> for a long time. There is, the it's like um, electromagnetic hypersensitivity. So it's nervous system symptoms like headache, fatigue, stress, sleep disturbances, skin symptoms like prickling, burning sensation, rashes, pain, ache, and muscles. Um, I think that's kind of what they're sort of implying that she has Mm -hmm. Um, this is one of those things that's like very much debated on whether or not it's real Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing it's like people who can like smell electricity oh yeah Mm -hmm. smell like the ozone burning or whatever Mm -hmm. it is Um, you're just having this hypersensitivity so yeah there we go that's kind of what they're making us think she she has going on yeah
1: and we'll talk a little bit about what that ends up being. Um, right. <laughs> but one of the things that the film talks about, you know, this is a very abusive mother, and the um, her uncle has brought her remains <laughs> from Korea to um, uh, to Sandra O's character, who her Korean name is. Um, what is her Korean name? Her Korean name is uh Suhyun, I think, is the name of yeah. I think so. Su hyun. Um and it's just like, you know, your mother always gets her way. Uh you are this kind of ancestry type thing where it's just like, you know, you need to put your mother to rest, otherwise her like tormented spirits gonna leech into you. And you know, the whole time we're just like until eventually she opens the box. We are just like um, completely scared of the box that has come with her mother's ashes in it. And uh, and then from that moment on, like hilarity ensues. The you see mom in a humbock, in a hanbok, uh, you know, tormenting her. There's like a really strange like
0: mask that has been worn by all the women in the family for... Yeah, it's, like, a piece of... Um, it's an heirloom. They're, like, mm-hmm. passing down this, like, creepy mask. Which, like, great. Uh, mask, mask for mask. <laughs> I mean, I like love it. it. I'm here for it. Like, I wish somebody would show up here and give me some creepy mask that I never knew about. <laughs> yeah. uh, from your mother, right? Just like, right, yeah. Uh, Just mysterious stranger show up. <laughs> and... I, I feel like yeah. I need uh, uh, a uh, um, supernatural crisis in my life. Right? Yes.
1: <laughs> a supernatural crisis that, you know, is just further amplified, rather amplifies the actual crisis that you mean. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so the hauntings are beginning and they're very, like the jump scares are really great. Uh, the, um, the ways that they're, it it has a lot of similarities also to what lies beneath, because yeah. like there's a lot of really cool like facial changes as like the mother's tortured Uma's tortured spirit like is
0: leeching into Sandra O, oh, and they're kind of becoming one. Oh, so real quick the the mask that the tall that they talk about, yeah. uh, which is usually used to perform ancestral rites or to drive away evil spirits. Um, so it's like she inherits like. A weapon against, or should be a weapon Against her mother's spirit, but that's not Kind of how it turns out, it's almost like It's possessed Uh, But anyways, you're absolutely right about the um, Ties to What Lies Beneath, I was thinking about that And when we um, When we talked about What Lies Beneath We went over sort of all these different um, Iterations of like, of Woman ghosts in Mm -hmm. society And in this uh, Film, we are Talking, I mean it's not specifically a woman But a Guishin Uh, It's a type of spirit or ghost in Korean folklore. Uh, Typically, they're people who have died and not, um, you know, some kind of monster or creature. And then it's if an individual dies but still has ties to the world of the living, like for revenge or caring for a loved one, then their spirit remains on earth to complete the task. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of this might be a Kumio? Oh no wait, that's the um, That's the, that's the, the cat. fox. Yeah, that's the, the or the fox. Yeah, yeah, the fox with the tails. There was another term for Uh oh. Mhm. Wow. This is weird too because it is kind of, I think that I think the words may sound the same. So, Gumio or Kumio is a spirit that may grow malignant by the amount of pent up energy through the years. So, this idea that a woman turned angry and spiteful over the years in light of her wasted potential um, because she was forced to like be in these traditional subservient, you know, societal roles for women uh, that's like yeah. Uma's story. And so, that rage like, is what keeps her spirit trapped and you know um and then of course how she turns that into physical and emotional abuse Mm -hmm. of um sandra O's character yeah in the story but then of course we also see the many tailed fox which is a whole other malignant evil manifestation yeah in
1: this in korean culture specifically it is a a malignant evil manifestation right similar oh yes thank you uh, i should have uh similar um beings also exist in like chinese culture and japanese culture and it's not there isn't that kind of like malignant aspect to it you actually can see these uh foxes in uh shang chi and uh the ten rings um uh, when the legend of the 10 rings, okay. Which is really cool because it's also similar to the nine tails, uh, Pokemon as well. Uh, it's actually, it looks exactly like it. I think it's a direct reference to, uh, that particular Pokemon, but, um, all of this to say that, you know, there's a lot of this kind of cultural stuff that's coming in, which is really great. Um, especially from a representation standpoint, um, the one thing I want to talk about first is this idea of um, the like the uh, the generational trauma that comes, um, and want to speak specifically about like the kind of immigrant narrative. Yeah. And, um, again, saying this is something, and I and I say this, I want to mention, I'm gonna make sure I say this out loud. Like you know, I am a Pacific Islander person. I am from Guam, but I am not uh, my own story is not an immigrant story it is a colonized story it is a story of colonization and imperialism and um the privilege that I have had to be able to like leave my homeland essentially and move here without the kind of red tape and all of the stuff that goes into that. Right. Um, there are people who know where Guam is and, and know of it a little bit also because of imperialism and colonization and militarization. So, um, oftentimes people will try to put a milit, a immigrant narrative onto me that I immediately kind of like have to reject because, you know, I don't understand what that's like. I know what it's like to, like, leave, but I don't understand, um, like, that, uh, kind of the, the finer points of, of that experience. All of that to say is that when you're thinking about, like, um, children, like, that first generation, you know, especially in these types, especially in, like, East Asian cultures or uh, cultures where, um, collectivist cultures where the family dynamic is very strong, and very, you know, people take care of each other. It's like this idea that, like, you know, who you... You're, you're in the family. It's like, who... How do you have your and nurture your own identity outside of that? And so we're dealing with two different daughters' experience from this. Yeah. We're dealing with Amanda's experience where her mother abused her. like um, Like, abused her. And when she would try to run away, like, you know... Wanted her to make her, wanted Amanda to feel the pain that she felt that they could both feel it together. Yeah. Right? That, like, they won't, you know, and you don't, you leave me. If you leave me, I will die. I'm going to, you know, all of this stuff. We, we, we're, I born you into this world and I can take you out, essentially, is what we're going in. And then you have Chris's experience where, like, you know, her entire life has been lived in. Isolation and solitude, it's kind of hinted at that it was something that she asked for, right? It was uh, being homeschooled because she didn't know how to make friends or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's hinted at, but again, it's through the lens of her mother, so we yeah. don't know. Yeah, we don't know if that's just like a product of gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, because it kind of shifts at the beginning. Because I felt like at the beginning of the movie, it felt very much. Like, I even have a note, like, you know, what is this Gilmore Girls BS? Yeah. You know, like, they're sitting, (laughs) like, reading the same book together. It feels very like, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, um, you know, whatever she went through um, in the past, you know, with her own mother, Amanda is like, fixed that with her own daughter, so they have Mm -hmm. this good, healthy relationship. But then it quickly turns into, like, oh, no, she's kind of built this world for Chris to live in and she wants her to, like, stay there forever and she has become her mother in a way, mm-hmm. um, at least in that in that um, controlling capacity to sure. want to keep her there. Um, but then, yeah, so we only get hints that, like, you went to school but you were, like, made fun of. Well, did it happen, like, one time and her mother, like, overreacted? It was like, well, we'll just homeschool you. Because it's like, you know... That's not, when we talk about like childhood development, it's like kids, Mm -hmm. kids have to learn to have sort of these negative experiences in the world and learn how to navigate them. And so it's very important that they get those early social uh, experiences. So if your kid goes and is bullied, like the answer is not to pull them out of the school. Obviously, I mean, there may be more that you have to do and you have to get involved and you have to like work, but it's like, that's not a good answer to just, make them hermits yeah. but I think that's what she would have wanted to do anyways in a way I think yeah. it was an excuse yeah, um, on Amanda's part to make Chris an outsider in a way yeah. and keep her with her forever yeah and and to that point right it's like you know Amanda
1: thinks she's doing right by her because she didn't have a mother who right. cared for her in that way, who embraced her, loved her, unconditionally right. gave her what she needed. I mean, yeah. the idea for the beekeeping comes from Chris. And so, like, Amanda takes that to an nth degree and makes it, like, the way right. an entire business.
0: Yeah, it's the extreme. Because, again, when we talk about, like, you brought up intergenerational trauma, and so, like, that's a big thing and like... Um, I think I've talked about, like, Bowen's theory, Murray Bowen before, and, like, um, extended family systems theory is this idea of, Mm -hmm. like, we learn from our parents and that informs the parents that we become, which informs the parents our children become, should, you know, obviously... In that world, in the 40s and 50s, idealizing what it meant to be a family. This very Mm -hmm. nuclear idea of, like, of course, you know, your kids will have kids, will have kids, will have kids. Mm So, (laughs) ignoring a lot of other experiences at the time. So, like, intergenerational trauma process, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of times you find that people... Will try to run exactly the opposite of their parents or be like their parents or, mm-hmm. you know, other like response. Our parenting is in a response, is a direct response to how we were parented. Sure. So for her, it is. It's like she's gone to the extreme to like intensely, fiercely love her daughter, but she is still making her a prisoner, much like yeah. her ama did to her, but it was a much more violent, scary prison. Yeah. And
1: so what we're seeing in the film um, as the film progresses, you realize that like we, the audience realizes that, Oh, Chris is actually looking to leave. Chris wants to apply to college, finds a college application. And this triggers again, a fear response in Amanda that the evil spirit of her mama is like latched onto. And it's like, Oh, look at, I there's another disobedient daughter. Right. There's a way in. Yeah. There's a way. in. there's another ungrateful disobedient daughter. Um, and so you see her, like you know, we talk about the horror of becoming our parents, right? right. This, this is, is very, yeah. It's very much that literal, very <laughs> literal, where she's like literally being possessed by it, yeah. Um, and it's so strange because, like, I, it's so interesting the idea of like not wanting to become our parents because, I mean, obviously, it's informed by the kind of relationship that you have with your parents. Yeah. But I'm also like I'm very keenly aware that like I see I see my parents in me a lot. Like I see my I see my mom in me in the way that like I am in a lot of things with my like my empathy, my care and regard for people, the kindness, the way that I show up to take care of people. And I see my dad in me in kind of the ways that I'm able to like Compartmentalize information mm-hmm. or situations in order to move forward. Um, being very like actions, like my my dad's love language is were as acts of service, and so well that's what I impose onto him. He's never read the book or right, done right, right. that work, but like acts of service is a very big thing, and so I feel like I've also done that to a certain extent. And um, but like I very much don't want to be them because I want to be my own person. And I think that's the next level of thinking about that kind of relationship to our parents. It's like, I don't want to be them because I don't
0: want to make their mistakes. I don't want to be them because I want to just be me. Right. Um, that's very, um, internal family systems of you where we have a lot of inner voices that are family members. And so the idea is how to, how do you integrate and, um, yeah. How do we find like the balance in, in, in all those voices? Um, Yeah. I think one of the interesting things for me, and this is like a real challenge, I think that, that I will probably have in working with, um, families, Mm -hmm. uh, especially families like this who have these like immigration stories or are coming from a cultural lens of you have an obligation to family. Like I have a real, like there's a part in the, um, film where the uncle's like your mother wasn't obligated to you. You were obligated to her. And it's you will like, always be obligated yeah. to her. Yeah. And to me that's so interesting because it's like you may well depending on we don't really know the story, but in if you really don't want a baby, there are ways to not have babies. Sure. You know? So when you have a child, there is a choice, you know, you are choosing to have them and either not like put them up for adoption or give them or whatever, you know, or you just want to have kids. So you have your kids. So it's like that child didn't have a choice. So it's like, I struggle with that idea that your kids, like, I think it's a very, it's probably a very individualistic. It's a a very American thing of like, no you brought your kids in you owe them love and unconditional support and you know we hope that it's a reciprocity you know a situation of reciprocity mm-hmm. but i i i don't feel like people should owe especially bad parents or 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 parents who hurt or emotionally or physically abuse you you don't owe them respect and you don't owe them and i think there's a lot of trauma in that and and a lot of people walk around you know with all this trauma from their parents and they can't let go of it because they feel they're supposed to love they're told they're supposed to love and respect their parents no matter what and I'm just like, I really don't jive with that feeling. Like, you know, respect, love are conditional things, yeah. you know, on that reciprocity situation, on the mutual respect. So, you know, it makes me wonder in this, in these movies and, and in, this, in these cultural conversations, like, how do we reckon that? You know, if that really is what you believe and you have a parent that is so hurtful to you... And you still feel an expectation and you have a whole family around you saying like, your mother can treat you however she wants. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you still owe her, you're obligated to love and care for her. And that is just, that is very strange to me, I think, in some ways. yeah. But I can meet people wherever they are. It's not like it would keep me from working. It's just, I sometimes wonder, it's like, I don't want to tell somebody like, well, just get rid of your mother out of your life and maybe you'd be better. That's not an answer, you know? but it's um it is a curios- it's a curiosity to me about how that happens to people yeah
1: i think it uh- Again, not knowing the culture, right? But like that, I can relate to that idea because it's like, your mother gave you life and so therefore, the way that you are grateful for that. (laughs) Right, right. She could have strangled you at birth, you know? (laughs) In the same way that like people feel compelled to worship a God who created them, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, God
0: created you and thus like demands your, you know, demands your worship. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just, yeah, I, I I feel very much for Amanda's character in this because I'm just like yeah having all that expectation all that feeling of obligation and it being you know pushed on you again mm-hmm. by your uncle who even knows the way that you were treated I mean it seems hinted at that he was aware of the difficulties and the way that her mother was his sister and it's still mm-hmm. you know her fault and she should feel ashamed and guilt ridden that her mother is dead and she never like saw her again or whatever and I'm just like she, like, tortured you with a lamp, a, a, a broken electric... Her favorite lamp. Yeah. <laughs> with frayed wires. But, like,
1: also, how could
0: you, like, not
1: die from that? Like, that's electricity completing a circuit, right? And you're, like,
0: basically made of water? Like- yeah. it's That part of it's a little, like, Oof. I don't know about that. Because you're right. I mean, how did she, like, survive? But... Mm-hmm. But even so, just it, 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 within the world that the movie lives in, the fact that this is how she's being tortured by her own mother. Mm-hmm. And it's like... What did I say? It was It's giving a child called It. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very, very sad. Very, you know, disturbing. And again, she's tried to escape and she's carved out a life for herself. So it's not like that's yeah. exactly what she's being tortured by. But it all comes yeah. back with with the arrival of her mother's ashes. Yeah. So w- one thing I want to talk about and s-
1: we'll spend the rest of the time probably talking about this concept is the um,
0: it, there's a couple
1: things in like Korean culture and and um, Korean like from like you know the country of Korea and then like Korean American diasporic culture right mm-hmm. So there's this idea in Korean culture of Han. Um, and I asked Joshua about it last, when we watched it recently, have you heard of the idea of
0: Han? No. And I had not. You had
1: not. <laughs> awesome. So let me. At least not in up. the way that
0: you explained it. I was like, no, I don't think, I don't think I've heard of that. Um,
1: so let me, let me pull it up here. I'm just going to, you know, talk about it a little bit, filling the time so that way we're not, you know, uh we're not talking about uh, other things, but like, so Han is this concept, uh, according to Wikipedia, Han is this concept of an emotion variously described as some form of grief or resentment among others, and is said to be an essential element of of the Korean identity. And... Um, it manifests in various ways. Some some say it has like has to do with like the postmodern colonial identity. Some um, for those who are like Korean Americans living with immigrant and diasporic na- uh, living in the diaspora with immigrant narratives, it's an it's like an essential part of what it means to be Korean American. Yeah. And for like Koreans living in Korea, it has something. It has something that's essential to like the past. So a lot of folks like in. Korea Korea, they see it as a way um, like the resentment or like the fracture of the country that happens post world, post Korean war. Uh, war um, and especially with like the division of a unified Korea with nor- being split into North and South. Um, we get the term Han. It kind of comes into prominence uh, during um, uh, like post post world war two during the Japanese uh, as a result of the Japanese occupation of Korea. And the idea is like, there's very many things. It's very, it's one of those words. It's like very difficult to explain in English, but it has many meanings and it's something that's very intrinsically connected to, uh, to Korean people. And so like, In some ways, it's like collective trauma, right? It's the collective trauma of the suffering that's been imposed on them. Um, It's resentment. It's this feeling of injustice. It's, you know, these are very classic definitions in a more modern context. Um, You know, it's the, like... Anything that's a negative emotion could be Han. Um, it is uh, complex emotions that result from the traumatic loss of collective identity, which is mm-hmm. also something you see in, dias- in uh, talk about in like diasporic culture. Um,
0: right. So yeah. that kind of explains Amanda's like overall melancholic nature mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Exactly. The like the well, there's just a feeling of this feeling loss of and-
1: loss because it's not only like it's not only just like the feeling of like the surviving like childhood trauma, but also the loss of what could have been because there's, there's moments of there's moments in it where she's like remembering like when she sees the music box like it's the it's the remembering a tender moment that she had with her mother about yeah. like anytime she felt scared open the music box and when you hear the music it'll make you not be scared the song that she sings that she's braiding Chris's hair is the song that's in the music box and so it's this kind of uh, sadness deep sadness because like those are memories that she has that are also tied to a, her tied to a person who who committed horrific acts again on her but also just like trying to hold those two things at once right hold the like beautiful memory but at the same time that like it was a bright moment in like a very devastating trauma Hmm.
0: Huh. It's interesting too. Like I'm um, there's like proverbs listed on here of like frost can fall even in May and June if a woman harbors a grudge. I mm-hmm. mean a woman's vengeance knows no bounds. So like again that does really even in death. Mm-hmm. Um we see this idea in um, cuz uh, J- uh, there's a lot of conversation here about Jap- about the Japanese as well. Yeah. And their um I guess colonization. Mhm colonization occupation occupation of uh, that's the word i was looking for occupation of korea and han being sort of a even a justification for um uh this is minzu kang the idea itself has roots in the japanese imperial ideology that was used to justify the subjugation and exploitation of koreans during the colonial era but just um offering up some of the the um Genesis of Han in Japanese culture really speaks to uh, like Ringu and like Ju-on, you know, which are these stories mm-hmm. of of women who women and girls who were murdered and have vengeance, and it's like mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. beyond the realm of the physical, sure. they can still you know come back yeah. and wreak havoc on you know the world. Sure. So when we get to the... As end. they should. Yes, Good, as for they should. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good for her. Good for her.
1: So, again, spoiler alert for the ending of Ummah. It just came out last year, but you've been warned. So please pause this and go watch it and then come back. But it's on Netflix. So, you know, if you have you a Netflix go. subscription, uh, please, do, please do that. But all of this to say that, so like at the very end of the film, this, the kind of the culmination of everything, Alma drags, Alma <laughs> drags, uh, Amanda into hell, uh, presumably the underworld. Yeah. It's some kind of underworld. Yeah. Um, and which is like, it's also kind of very Sam Raimi, right? It's very drag me to hell. This, like this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going under the ground, but which wasn't, this, this had Raimi productions on it. Yeah. this yeah. Raimi produced this. Yeah. So you have, um, what ended up happening is that, you know, when she goes back to hell, she's now thrust into a memory uh, where it looks like it's her mother, like she's in her mother's home in Korea. So the the story, the overall story is that, like, when their parents, when her parents immigrated to the U.S., her father was just, like, completely in love with the United States and the promise of, like, you know, Ameri- the American promise. And her mother was just, like, off, like did not have want any of it and increasingly became, uh, unruly. And, you know, there was this decline and mental illness about like being in America so much so that her father left. And when her father left, that was kind of the last straw and the full, uh, manifestation of her psychosis, right. Is this, you know, yeah, you know, the fear of, like, losing... Um, the, the fear of losing Amanda turned into, like, this, like, very uh, restrictive and, like, utter control. Wanting to utterly control her life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this film would have been really good during March. Uh, we could have easily paired this with those films. Because, again, it is. It's about the loss of potential. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, an unsatisfied life. Yeah. Um, I just watched the documentary that Amy Tan, who wrote uh, the Joy Luck Club. So it's on, I think it's on Netflix as well. It's called Unintended Memoir. And she talked about her own mother's struggle with this. And it's so, it feels very common um, for, in these sorts of stories about like what women have to give up and uh, her own mother kind of, there was a lot there that felt very similar. Like I was just, like she talks, she interviews like her mother, who's like very blunt, you know, like I was just like a sex toy for your dad. Like I was just this object. Um, you know, so it's like, what, what did my life have? What meaning did my life have outside of him? You know, so she really struggled with her mental health all through her life. And, um, you know, she was definitely abusive with Amy um, and they all like prioritize like her brother over her and, you know, these sorts of things, um, that again, we see in lots of cultures, all, you know, that's, you know, not too surprising, uh, unfortunately, um, the history of, of women, but in watching this movie and then also thinking about like, again, with what lies beneath with Claire giving up her music and giving up her own exploits to like, you know, just be the beautiful wife on the arm of the, you know, brilliant professor and researcher and you know this film very much is a similar story and then also like with in
1: also another parallel with what lies beneath like her daughter going to college and now like okay and opening up these wounds opening up all of these wounds and now she's like can suddenly remember the things that happened that were very traumatizing yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah and again
0: and then that over speaks to the haunt of women collectively of like you know even beyond like taking that term and just that idea of sure. of of the grief and of mm-hmm. this sort of story of women throughout history yeah. is still so present yeah
1: and so like seeing that in the in this uh final scene with you know the showdown with amma yeah. is the idea that like you know uh, Sandra O's character Amanda she's just like you know I basically is trying to empathize with her. It's just yeah. like, you know, hey, I knew this I know this was hard for you. Yeah. Like you were respect you were a respected person in Korea and then you came to America, you didn't know the language, you didn't know like the customs, you had no respect and, you know, you were finding it difficult to just exist and be a person. Yeah. You couldn't, you know, you don't have you didn't have that and then dad leaves because you didn't like, it was kind of spun out of control and you wanted to control me, but it was also, it was that moment where it's like, it's also not okay that you hurt me. It's not okay that you did that to me. And I'm leaving. I need to leave you now. I need to sever these ties. And you have Amma there trying to be like, "No, you're mine. You're going right. to be mine until we're going to go together to the to the uh, to the end of the end of the line to death." And she's just like, "No, I need to. I cannot make the same mistakes you did. I will. I will do right by you. I will give your soul rest yeah. and perform the ritual. But you need to let me go now. Um, yeah, because
0: yeah. I need to heal from this." Yeah, which was a neat moment to see sort of that... I don't know how accurate it was to... Um, mm-hmm. I imagine it was fairly accurate, the sure. the death uh, customs and mm-hmm. ritual. I thought was very cool to, to see. Uh, you know I me, mean, I always love things like that, just seeing how different yeah. people grieve or how they um, bury their dead or sure. otherwise uh, inter them. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of a cool way to wrap it up. Again, it moved very quickly from like... You know all these like horror elements to like you know lovely convers lovely t- chatting with your mom like you got to get over it yeah. we're gonna seal you uh, you know in the uh, yeah in the ground here's a lovely grave marker we're done yeah now yeah. we're all happy daughters of college life is good <laughs> yeah it's like there's there's still got to be stuff y'all need to work on but yeah. um it it wraps up very nicely and again very quickly so. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it, and I think that the uh, the conversation, especially as we've expanded on sure. it, is really interesting. There, yeah. And so to wrap everything up, you know, the idea. So
1: like seeing that at the end, and. Um, having what I would consider probably like a very Western, like, American moment where a child, like, expresses a boundary and, like, stops the cycle, right? Right. As opposed to... I mean, again, not saying that, like, not saying that that can't happen in other cultures. Of course. And yeah, yeah, in yeah. that, but, like, it's... I feel just given from a Western lens and specifically because like she is an American, um, this is from an Asian American perspective, just the idea of like, you know, I am an American, like we are Americans. This is how I like, even though that is your belief, it's a twisting of culture belief to, you know, it's a twisting of cultural belief in a way that's not, that's toxic and naming that. And then also having that ability to be like, no, we're separating, we are not going to do this cycle anymore. I will honor you in our custom and keep it alive. But like, I cannot, like, I cannot, uh, let this rule me. Yeah. I can't live like this. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so (laughs) one thing that you talked about a little bit, um, what is it? It's a differentiation. Is that what it's called? Where like, um, like, uh, having an identity separate from my f- families, or?
0: Well, it's more, it's more of just being able to engage in conflict without like, um, uh, reactivity, you know, like healthy conflict and healthy boundaries. So sure. yeah, it is, it is kind of being able to have a, a separate identity, but like differentiation is much more about like, if your mother says something to you that you know is meant to hurt you, you know how to like health, have a healthy boundary and a healthy, like, mm-hmm you're saying that to be hurtful and spiteful and I'm not going to respond to it. Like that, that's kind of like differentiation is about emotional balance. What am I, is there another word that I'm, that you've said? Some people use differentiation too, to say like that we're different people. So that there's a separateness, you know, a, um, there's you and there's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, we're different people. Um, but I think differentiation starts to hint at that, because that's a big, that's a part, like, that's why people get so enmeshed with each other is because emotional reactivity. Mm-hmm. So you get all, like, tied up in the drama of your family, and it just, it's a cycle, and it just goes and goes and goes until somebody's like, I'm not going to be emotionally responsible for your reactions and your emotions. Sure. Um, I'm not going to let it change, like, me. Mm-hmm. Um, which helps separate yeah. from from toxic family systems mm-hmm. um, and relationships. Good. So I, certainly, yes, that's a nice differentiation of like, I can't let your emotions yeah. control me anymore. Yeah. Demon. In your, your experience. Demon mother spirit. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Overall, great movie. Would definitely watch this again. Yeah. I love this for Mother's Day. I love this for, it checks all the boxes, right? And yeah. Like, um. Uh, it, uh Mother's Day it's uh Asian American Pacific Island, Asian American Pacific Islander History Month um it's all the things uh Joshua any final thoughts No I think we covered it This was fun This was fun All right everybody well thank you again for joining us thank you to our Patreon subscribers yes. and we appreciate you continue please also still consider if you are not already a Patreon subscriber Consider being one because yeah. it's awesome and you and get there's a lot tons of
0: tons of content on our thing for you to to look through.
1: Yeah. There's tons <laughs> of
0: free content
1: that we've already done and there's extra special not free stuff. This is true. That uh we would love your support on. So yeah, thank you again. Absolutely. And Joshua, good night. Good night.